0: This is Adam Lightman Bailey, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast.
1: This is Jennifer Rodarte with Compass, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hey, this
0: is Lane Johnson representing Compass in Aspen, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Weidler Brothers of Compass in the D.C. metro area, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast.
1: This is Naomi Klein, representing the Compass office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast.
0: What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of The uh, Talk Team Podcast.
1: This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast.
0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Today, I have as a guest, my friend Jillian Adler. She is a Boston real estate professional. She's one of the top agents in Boston. Met her about four years ago when we first opened our Boston office. Uh, My friend Adam Melnick and I, we walk into the office and just kind of unannounced, we just walk in, we're walking around, we're uh, checking out the new space. It's gorgeous. And the first poker that we run into is Jillian, so yeah. Jillian was gracious enough to uh, walk us through three floors in that building, uh, introduced us to a bunch of people, and um, yeah, and it was a really good first impressions. So, you know, it's ever since then we see each other at our Compass annual uh, retreats in different markets. So we got to hang out in LA, and most recently we got to hang out in Miami.
1: Yeah,
0: that was really fun. I'd
1: like uh, to be back there now. <laughs> I know. It'd
0: be nice to be there now, isn't it? A little bit about Jillian. Uh, Jillian's been a Massachusetts real estate broker since 2009. She brings extensive experience in the Boston real estate and development markets with over a whopping $175 million in sales volume since 2012. Uh, yeah. Some facts, fun facts about Jillian. Uh, she received a BA from the University of Massachusetts of Am- Amherst. She also ran the Boston Marathon in 2019 to support the YMCA. Uh, most recently, she partnered up with american provisions and brought 80 lunches to the medical staff over at the boston's children's hospital uh more fun facts she started skiing just four years ago first time she went skiing she in her span of a few days she got seven stitches and then uh right after that she skied again as a trooper she is and she received eight more stitches you know not knocked down a few times always getting back up so uh you know I'm glad you're actually, another fun fact about you is you represent the ski emoji on the iPhone with your outfit, with your red jacket. (laughs) So so I'll put that in the preview video for those uh, uh, that don't know what the iPhone ski emoji is. With the current pandemic that's going on, I really wanted to speak to Jillian because she is killing it. Uh, She, even in the midst of lockdown and quarantine, Jillian sold five homes between South End, Brookline and Jamaica Plain. And and she's got a whole bunch of stuff in the pipeline that's about to be launched. So you know we're Jillian. I appreciate your time. We really just want to get an insight on what's actually going on in the Boston market as a top agent. What you're seeing, how you're navigating your buyers and sellers, and and how you're growing and sustaining your business. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. And then at the end, hang on, we have a, a, a some some funny. Uh, I guess discussions that we could talk about of what she's doing with her time. Uh, you can follow Jillian at Jillian Lee twenty one. That's Jillian L E I G H twenty one on Instagram. You'll see a, a this a selection of her accomplishments online as well. If you follow her on Facebook at Jillian Adler. So Jillian, welcome to the show, and thank you Thanks. for joining me. How are you? Good, good. How are you? How are you surviving the pandemic these days?
1: We're surviving. It's weird how quickly you can sort of acclimate to your new normal, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, it, it's definitely an adjustment. It's an adjustment, but we adapt to reality very quickly, huh?
1: We do, and you have to because, you know, in real estate and everything else, it's total, we're in a changed world.
2: Right, Right. it's
1: figuring out how do we as brokers do our jobs for Mm -hmm. buyers and sellers every day Mm -hmm. in a way that we can make it as smooth as possible Um, and it's really all about sort of trial and error and going through it and once you've been through it once or twice it just feels like a regular you know closing you know mortgage contingency inspection even though you're doing it with a mask on or the buyer's not there or you don't physically attend the closing you just sort of figure it out
0: you mentioned a great point we're going to talk about that in a little bit but before we get into that let's talk a little bit about your beginning uh you you're actually a new, you're a new yorker but you were born in connecticut correct
1: yeah so i was born and raised in connecticut in the tri-state area mm-hmm. uh, my parents are both from new york um i came up to massachusetts for school yeah when I- 18, and then I just never came back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, grow up before college? Were you in Long Island?
1: No, I was no. in Greenwich, Connecticut. You so were always in
0: Greenwich. Yeah.
1: Right. So, I, yeah, I went to Greenwich High School, and then I went to the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, and yeah. then I always planned on going back to New York. New York was my city. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to move to Boston just for a little bit, right, after college. And I
0: yeah. What, what, did you, what did you like about Boston after you left New York?
1: I didn't, I hated it. <laughs> Wait, is the it was, in the city in Boston? No, it was in Western Mass. And I decided to just give Boston a try. I thought I'd always, you know, end up back in New York, but yeah. I, you know, I was doing real estate here and one thing led to another and I'm still here and I'm not going to go anywhere. <laughs> did,
0: you jump, did you jump to real estate right after college? Did you know that was what you wanted to do?
1: I did real estate in college.
0: Okay. Oh, good, good. What, what was your, what, what was the inspiration behind that?
1: I really wanted to stay at college. Um, I <laughs> so I walked into my landlord's office who managed uh, 90% of rentals in Amherst in North Hampton, okay. and Northampton, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. for a job. And he said, I think you'd be great in real estate. He was like, go out and get your license and come work for me. Mm. 19. Okay. I had never thought of a mortgage before. So mm. that was hard for me. Um mm. Uh, were
0: you, were you uh, once you got your license? Were you leasing the properties? What were you doing?
1: So I was leasing properties, property management, and that's how I actually sort of started in flipping. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we would buy old motel efficiency, <laughs> you okay. know, one of those old, really old, like sort of long-looking '70s motels. I think motel Six efficiency studios.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Rent them. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah.
0: What an experience.
1: Yeah, like 19, 20, and 21.
0: Were you doing that full time? Was it like a part time gig? Because you were always obviously going to school too.
1: Yep. Yeah, so I double majored in college. Uh, it was full time in the summers. Yeah. And then I would just do rentals uh, during the school year. And then more of the property management and like the flipping would be during the summer. Hey, your hustle, your hustle was
0: real since since you were a young yeah, age.
1: Real. Yeah. I like
0: it. Yeah, whenever I, I interview people for my team, uh, I used to interview a ton of people. You know, it, it's obviously yeah, it's school, whatever. The it's in the colleges, I guess, important, but you know, it's more about how how much of a, a load were you able to carry in your younger years? Did you go to high school? Did you work another job? Were you working? You know, how many jobs have you had? And how much sports experience in real life have you had? Uh, yeah. If you went to college, did you work a job there? Was it full time, part time? You know, was it a combination of both? So those are really. Yes, does getting a good degree in this world matter? Yeah, of course. But what matters more is is, is the work ethic, at least in our business, right?
1: I totally agree. I think Mindset. in our business, you know, smarts doesn't come from a degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the best brokers I know, some of them have a college degree. Some of them don't.
2: Yeah, yeah. a lot of them don't. You
1: now a lot of it is being really specialized and focused and hardworking. So. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some of the top brokers in New York City are from the Israeli army
1: yeah
0: (laughs) so i mean that's the way it is and then so transition now to kind of like let's just kind of skip forward to present time when we first opened when compass first opened boston Mm -hmm. what was your thought process in in joining you were top agent at a different agency why did you join compass what was your inspiration behind that um i
1: thought everybody the boston is very old school we don't you know we don't take on new neighborhoods in new york i feel like there's always a cool great neighborhood or a new young hit broker you know the yeah. not so much the case in boston right. okay. okay but when i met with compass and i saw their vision and i saw you know i was like so what is this coldwell banker 2.0 mm-hmm. or you out know, <laughs> like that didn't really interest me because we were at a small boutique firm, but okay. Compass had such a different take on the real estate market and how you can be so much more efficient. Yeah, As Somebody who hustles and hustles all the time, efficiency is everything for me. Yeah. So when they gave us the tools and the vision and you know this sort of corporate structure, but really feeling like hyper-local to the Boston needs, being different from the New York needs, um i just really thought it was such a cool opportunity so we joined and we were like i think the 39th and 40th my teammate and i okay at compass so we joined uh in the first year
0: and how many brokers are in boston now at compass
1: well we have the boston office which is like let's 15,
0: let's 15. encompass all of this because you got cambridge too right
1: we Cambridge, we got chestnut hill we've got um uh, weston wellesley newton um so I think there's like over
0: 800 now. 800, Yeah, so you're, you're in the top 2% in terms of <laughs> being, being one of the first. Yeah, I remember I when, I, when you walked me through that office, I mean, it was pretty much, it felt like an empty Costco.
1: I know. So when you came, there were only two or three floors, and now we have a whole building.
0: Oh, man, that's a whole office,
1: so it's yeah. pretty
0: cool. Yeah, seeing the senior transma- trans- transformation is always helpful. And also being early is also helpful because as, as brokers in New York and other markets, it's how many people can you really meet? You know, uh-huh. at, at one outing. And have, being early and being one of the, the more influential earlier brokers, it, it's easier to get to know them just because Absolutely. all these events
2: happen earlier too.
1: I know, and I got to meet all of you guys, you know, in San Francisco, and really early on when it was just a small amount of people. And I'm so glad that we came over one did.
0: Good, yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that we were able to meet too. Uh, so, you know, as far as the present time is concerned, you know, with the COVID 19 pandemic, uh, I know New York City is on a pretty strict lockdown. I'm sure Boston. You know, what, are the, what are, is it? A stay at home order? What's going on in Boston?
1: Stay at home warning. Warning. Warning.
0: Interesting. What does that mean?
1: So non-essential businesses are closed. Okay. They are telling you to stay at home unless you have to go out for uh, groceries. groceries, whatever. Um, you are allowed to go out and exercise. Okay. Uh, just put in place that you should be wearing the mask. Okay. Um, the first time we locked down, which was at the sort of mid to end of March, um, we were not in real estate considered essential business. Okay. Re- the most recent lockdown orders actually in Massachusetts state, that real estate is an essential business. Okay. If uh, You're acting as a fiduciary settlement. So obviously somebody closing or on their home or buying a home, that's a fiduciary settlement. So we are able to do showings. That being said, yeah. we're barely doing any in person.
0: Is that out of choice or is that because inquiries are low?
1: No, that is, that's actually out of choice. So um, I should preface by saying we put three properties on the market in the last three weeks, mm-hmm. you know, call it post-COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in that time, we, instead of putting it on MLS, we are utilizing so highly Compass coming soon.
0: Right. So they said, so, it, it does it occur? Every market is a little different, but when you list it in Compass coming soon, does it occur days on market in the public websites? No. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. So we basically list it at a price that the seller is going to feel comfortable with letting it go, knowing that it's not going to be exposed to the entire mm-hmm. market. Okay. In that time. So okay. of those uh, three units, two of them are under agreement. Great. With bidding wars.
0: That's amazing. In this market,
1: crazy. So I'll say for the first one, it was a million forty-five. We did two showings. Yeah, about uh, two offers. Wow. And then for the second one, it was a tiny, really cute little one-bedroom. We had six showings, three offers.
0: Three offers, okay.
1: So that's where we ended up. But well, they're
0: two units, did you price them in the in the pricing price point that you thought would? sell so fast or were you kind of not sure because you know some sellers they always want to over, overshoot the price and overshoot the market when you guys listed and listed and, and, and gave the pricing strategies to the seller you know what did you think would what would you think was going to happen when you listed it
1: yeah so i always give my people a range a number that I'm really comfortable yeah. sure. to sell at are sort of mid to high and then a reach yeah. so with coming soon i'll let people get toward that reach um, some of my sellers are more inclined to sell than others, so they were, you know, more interested in pricing between the reach and the average.
2: Okay.
1: I wouldn't say we were underpriced on either of those. I Good. also wouldn't say we were incredibly overpriced. Right. Right. Um, but I will say that the the back leg of putting those properties on is very different today than it was, of course, a month ago. Of
0: course. Of course,
1: those two properties, you know, I could have easily have 50 to 75 people in a pre-COVID world mm-hmm. through the units. I had nine total through two units or six total through two units because mm-hmm. I am disclosing everything up front. If the windows are older, they're going to know about it. If there's anything in the condo docs against rentals or pets or anything, we are disclosing everything that could be a potential issue down the road before they see the unit.
0: And then you you always wanna make sure that you filter out the deal breakers first so that you're not wasting your time and you're not risking your health.
1: We're right? keeping everybody safe, right? Yeah. So I'm disclosing everything I possibly can about the unit upfront. I'm sending over condo docs, I'm sending over financials, I'm sending over virtual tours, floor plans, and photos. And then I tell them, don't reach out to me, they're brokers, don't reach out to me for 24 hours. I need your people to really take this in and review it. And then let me know if they want to see it. Perfect. That weeded out half the people who asked. Perfect.
2: Yeah.
1: And then we end up with people who are only really, really interested.
0: Really, yeah, really interested, really qualified and really motivated. Yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta set the hurdles up front. A lot of buyers, I think, are shocked uh, when they want to see something. They get upset because they're, why, you know, their attitude before the pandemic is, why are you asking me so many questions? I'm not even going to buy this yet. I'll
1: let you I'm know. probably not a person who asks questions in a pre COVID world. I'm right. like, yeah, if you're, it's your first time and you want to see this before your date on Friday night, I'm happy to show it to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: in a COVID world, we're being, we are weeding out everybody.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, that, that you got to have some sort of quality control in a situation like this because then you're endangering yourself, the public, the buyers, the buyers, the agents. I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong, right?
1: We also send over, with all of those condo documents, a COVID protocol. So buyers have to come with their own masks or stars. Okay. have to keep their hands in their pockets at all times.
0: So no touching Uh, doors, cabinets?
1: uh, Nope. So I wear gloves. Yeah. I wear a mask, and I open everything for them. I will open the appliances, the closets, the unit doors, the building doors.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. And they they notice stay six feet apart. Um and you know, we sort of take it from there.
0: That's so new and that's so innovative. I like it. I've never actually heard of that. <laughs> Keep your hands in the pockets. Smart. Keep
1: your hands in your pockets and then I, you know, everything that I touched with my gloves, I lysol and disinfect. Sure, sure. And I know that at least the buyer hasn't touched anything and there's a 15 minute window. So they can okay. only sit for 15 minutes.
0: And this is assuming that the, those listings are empty, or are they do they do the sellers live there or live there. they live there, okay, so even more even more than that even more now than ever the sellers yeah. still live there full time, yeah.
1: yeah so uh, do windows and we put them all together. We know that the other good thing is that if I tell you that I have availability on Sunday from two to four mm-hmm. and you can have a 15 minute window in there, yeah, everyone's available. they're not busy. Sure. <laughs> Sure. so you know that's how i sold these last two units is i gave a window of the time to the people who asked to see it mm-hmm. so we never bothered and everybody waived inspection and condo doc contingencies because sure. i closed everything up front yeah um so the interruption to the seller was once
0: right but- right right okay smart right. yeah I, I like the i like the methodical controlled approach you're using that actually I haven't heard other brokers use yet. So uh that's really (laughs) that
1: I said I hope it's okay. No, it's
0: fine. It's great. I think it helps, I think it helps you know a lot of other listeners here that that you know what are other broker professionals that are doing well right now? What exactly are they doing and what's the protocol? So um it's smart. Uh it's out of the box thinking. Uh do you have any listings right now in uh, you know, New York has a lot of doorman buildings. I know Boston has a, f- a few, right? There's, yeah. Are, are they allowing people like you in and out? Are they allowing showings? No, no. So do, do, if you have listings in those types of properties, I guess they're yeah. kind of like off the market, right?
1: Essentially.
2: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I
1: mean, it really is different building to building. Some of the smaller, more boutique buildings will allow it. Mm. Uh, some of them just will not allow it. Mm-hmm other people are going in and doing virtual tours with their photographers or just allowing their agents to be videoed within the unit themselves. So that we sort of show it and gauge people's interest based on that.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, Let's, let's kind of shift. We're still on the same topic, but managing expectations during COVID-19, what are you doing right now that to advise, and and these are all spectrum of clients, right? So you have buyers, sellers, you have uh, buyers that are in contract, buyers are looking or exploring looking with you. And then you have, obviously, the sellers. And then you have investors or, let's just say, people that are investors that are, they always have cash here, ready to buy if they find a good deal. And then you also have investors that are landlords that are, you know, they you probably help them rent their apartments out, right? So how are you managing those clients? Let's just start with buyers right now that are in the introductory process of talking to you or in the market and they have looked with you, but they're not
2: pulling the trigger. yet.
1: Yeah. So for people, I have the properties under agreement for buyers who basically didn't find what they want last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We found it sort of right in the first week of the sort of pandemic coming to Boston. Yeah. they were paired okay. um, for the people. So we pulled the trigger and uh, they purchased. Or oh good. good, they're purchasing right now. So for them, it's about making sure that the lender that they're going to be pair, that I'm pairing them with is able to lend on that loan. So a lot of the back-end stuff I'm doing right now is revolving around attorneys,
2: yeah.
1: uh, COVID language, which is being included in offers and purchase and sale agreements, mm-hmm. and then lenders. What lenders are lending at what products and at what rates? Because obviously we have lenders who are better with conforming, better lenders who are better at jumbo, better, you know different lenders for different people. So it's figuring out what people to pair with what lender right now because two months ago versus today is very different.
0: Are you having any trouble? Are you having any specific trouble with lenders right now with your buyers? I
1: have, buyer? I no. have. Good. I've okay. a lot of recon on making sure that the people I'm pairing them with are gonna be okay in their current situation.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, did, did you have any buyers that were in contract and then the pandemic hit and then they wanted to back out or they were afraid or no?
1: Good. One was really uh, hesitant mm-hmm. and we ended up negotiating a credit.
0: Oh, good. So that's another technique, right? Yeah. So we start, contract got signed before the pandemic. Now the buyer's not sure. Ask the seller if there's a little bit of, uh, of a, a credit or negotiability on adjust, the adjust, adjustment from the original conversation. Right. Right. When the GDP hits uh, a negative 30% mark between quarter one and quarter two, some buyers may have a little bit of um, cold feet. Yes. Or they call it COVID feet.
1: Yep. Yeah. Not me. I put a property under agreement for myself.
0: Last oh, you week. bought something for yourself?
1: Well, it's under contract, so I have the offer. I'm going to move forward with it. Yep. So I put my money where my health is, and I believe in purchasing safely during a pandemic. Is it your it's first home, home purchase? On.
2: Nice.
0: Is this a first home purchase for you? No. No. Okay. Wow. So you're... You... You're killing it right now. I love it. Uh, and then, how about how about your uh, sellers? How are you managing their expectations? Like, are you finding that more sellers want to take their homes off the market, or, or I don't know. I mean, what's your communication with them like?
1: I mean, it's pretty. The numbers here are pretty distinct. So, mm-hmm. properties priced under one two that are priced appropriately are moving. Yeah, properties under one five are sitting. So. Yeah, that's just sort of the price point that we're seeing right now. You know, the amount of inventory on the market today is one third of what we had this time last year.
0: Interesting. Okay. So so let's get into that. Let's get into that. So one third. So about how many units are on the market now versus what they were last year?
1: So I work in very specific neighborhoods. So I just pulled for myself. Okay. South End, Beacon Hill, because those are the three units that are the three neighborhoods that I do the most. Hey, those again?
0: I, I heard Beacon Hill. Back Bay. Back Bay. South End. South End. Not yeah. Jamaica Plains. You also do Jamaica Plains? No.
1: I do. I mean, Boston is a very small neighbor. You know, the whole city is pretty small. But um, those are the three neighborhoods that I would say I do eighty percent. When
0: people call when when people call each other Southies, is that South End people?
1: No. So S- Southie is the departed.
0: <laughs> is the departed yeah Southie. Departed. Yeah. uh
1: yeah. actually where i live now i live on the corner of L, L street right next to whitey bulger's old house
0: okay cool uh, is that, in that, in that, that neighborhood is not south end as people may think so,
1: so south end is actually the largest victorian landmark neighborhood in the country oh uh, and it borders that bay. got so it all-
0: got it okay uh, cool yeah uh so so you know it, Going back to like the market statistics, yeah. how many listings are you seeing kind of year over year? What's what's the shift in difference? How many units? What's the percentage?
1: So, t- as of today, so talking April 1 to April 10th. Yeah. Uh, there are 21 properties on the market.
2: That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, oh uh, it's, it's, it's And that's just condos. The I didn't single families I didn't full rentals. It's just condos okay um and then last year there was 65. so we're also in a very different market here in boston we have a huge housing shortage huge I mean, huge huge i mean we have you know the last numbers that were released at the end of last year that say we have 20,000. We, we have a deficit of 20,000. okay and in boston we have height limits for the most part on what we can build So even a couple of new development and construction, we're talking about maybe 500 units. There's no building with 1,000 units. So we have a huge deficit here. So we are always low on inventory anyways. We are particularly low today.
0: (laughs) Would you say that... so, So the 21 units on the market right now, would you say that those sellers are desperately needing to sell or they're just on it because they know they can sell, they can get their numbers?
1: Yep. So... I think none of us know, none of us were here for the most part for the black plague, yeah. and if we were. we probably going to a real estate broker. So yeah. the only thing that I can do, and I do this on the phone every day with my clients, is you know what is the closest market indicators that we have in Boston for a terrible economic downturn? Sure. And obviously that is 2008-2009. 2008-2009 yeah. was you know obviously one of the worst financial Hopefully it'll be the worst financial crisis of our time. But the blame for that was a majority on the housing market itself. So people haven't lost faith in the housing market for COVID as they did in 2008, 2009. The other important thing to note for, you know, Back Bay, South End, Beacon Hill, Boston Properties in 2008 and 2009 in those three neighborhoods dipped 5%.
2: That's it.
1: 2010, they were flat.
2: Mm.
1: Three to six percent year over year growth since. Mm. So, you know, when we talk about Boston real estate and with my investors and buyers, and we talk about it as an investment because I'm super numbers driven and super numbers oriented, it's like blue chip stock. It's it's your Amazon, it's your Google. Um it's just you know in the worst economic time that we've had until now and hopefully this will be much short much shorter sure. lived. Yeah, of course. Um, we dipped five percent, so people just didn't step. Guys put it low. here. This is awesome. <laughs>
0: you heard it here.
1: Hate it. Um if you're, a real
0: estate investor, if you're a real estate investor and you want something safe, this is it. Back bay
1: it's not south shore. <laughs> It's not your crazy cap rates. You know what I mean? You're not seeing sure. 10% cap rates here, but it is very safe.
0: Right. Well, what's the average housing price in the neighborhood that you, you do kind of your business in?
1: Um, I would say, you know, a starter home, South End, back bay is around a million, you know, maybe okay. 800 to a million. Okay. Uh, same thing Beacon hill. Some a little less for 550, 650 square feet could be in that six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars range, you know, ranging all the way up to up to 10 15 million gotcha. That's the other thing is we
0: don't have the, the 50 60 70 80 million dollar apartments that you guys have in new york right new york yeah but those but you know even in new york city it's it's they, those don't really trade as much you know you only you only see a very limited number um so you know i, I know you're, you're busy so i'm not gonna take up too much of your time but as far as far as what your prediction is in the next let's say 30 days to um you know, three months, so one month, three month period, what do you, what do you anticipate is going to happen in the market and, uh, in between those two time periods and, you know, is it a negative outlook? Is it a positive outlook? What are your thoughts?
1: I think we're going to see a pattern of holding. So we're down 60% of market inventory right now. Yeah. I don't see people starting to put properties on until they feel more comfortable with this situation. Mm-hmm. And then I think that, you know, this is our big time right now in Boston spring market. Um, this is when most people are gearing up to move. Yeah, I think that th- our spring market is coming July, August, mm-hmm. September.
0: Okay. So it's just going to delay a little bit. Is what it's going to
1: delay. I mean, I have investor groups out there. We're out there and we're lowballing and, you know, looking for that deal right now,
2: but
1: yeah. even on the investment level, people will know what they have, and yeah. they just say, "If you don't want to pay me this this year, I'll hold it." I'll oh,
0: hold it. on to it. So nobody's that desperate. So you know, it's a good it's a good learning experience for a lot of investors out there. If you're not looking to buy some some fancy triple net lease commercial property, you just want to buy some sort of real estate piece of real estate in a good neighborhood. There's really never going to be any deals where you know, the buyers can come in and expect the 50%, you know, off the ask, ask price point. Yeah. yeah.
1: Unless you're, you know, unless you're willing to do the work yourself and got a building. um, But it's that's expensive and that's right. time consuming. So right. if you want a decent quality multifamily or building, you know, you, you have to pay for it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, just to our listeners, there you have it. I mean, you heard from the pro, I mean, this broker, Jillian, top Asian in, the, in that market, five homes. And in the midst of the pandemic, I mean, she's, She's got her systems right. She's got her her theories right. She's got her market knowledge kind of in line here. So uh, this this is what successful people do, right? And we, and they're buying another home in this in this pandemic. So
1: I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I believe in this market. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. I'm I, I'm uh, I'm super proud of you and uh, and ho- and hopefully I can be as big as you one day.
1: Oh, you stop it. You have the best <laughs> room. My new house
0: is 700 square feet, but you have a plus space
1: for the Murphy
0: bed. That's awesome. That? <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, just just to kind of close out close out this show here. Um, so what else are you doing right now with your, uh, I, I'm going to say, I hate to say free time because we don't really get free time, but are you doing anything? Are you working on any side projects or anything for fun? Yeah.
1: Um, I am working on the new architectural plans for my new place. Okay. So I'm reconfiguring the unit. So that is taking up most of the time.
0: Do you time. have to file any permits through the Department of Buildings or Landmarks or anything like that? They're not open I'm right I'm not changing
1: either. the exterior. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be changing the interior. I'm not pulling the permits yet. I don't close for another two months. Okay. Sellers so asked for delayed closing. That's another thing we're seeing delayed closings, lease backs, be flexible. Um, you know mortgage brokers are being a lot of them being very flexible too they're extending rate locks past the typical 60 90 days so I think everybody if you want to be in this market the only good thing I can say is that your competition in Boston is a lot less today than it was spring last year so there are some ways to take advantage in this market
0: as a seller yes when you only have 21 other competitors I mean that's a pretty good number
1: Right. And for a buyer, you know, a lot of the new buyers who would be starting their search typically right now, if you're a buyer you're ready to go, you know, these are properties that we generally do see bidding wars on. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of bidding against seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people, you're maybe bidding against 1, 2, or 3. And nobody's waiving their mortgage contingency. So, you know, it, it, it levels the playing field a little bit bit so there are some opportunities maybe not financially um in regards to pricing but um competition
0: there's a lot less pressure which is great there's always pressure but not as much yes there's always buyer pressure yeah uh, I, I feel like uh but i had no idea that the boston market is so competitive and so strong and, and the inventory
1: just- so that's what I do in my for my buyers and my sellers now is I don't send them blanket emails. Hey, how are you? Thinking of you. General Boston numbers. My buyers and sellers don't care what's happening in East Boston or in Charlestown or in Fenway. They care about what happens in their neighborhood.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: um, they care about what happens in their neighborhood. So what I do is I pull together information that they're not going to be able to read on Curbed or, you know, Boston Business Journal, something that is so specific to them that they feel value. And I also just, I mean, it is the perfect time to check in on all of your old clients. Sure. They're they're living in the house you sold them. So they're either A going crazy because they're, you know, they are going out of their space, or B, just sold them their house and say, hope you're liking it. And they're so thankful that you sold their last house and sold them a new house because now they can, you know, being quarantined in a bigger space. So it's just reaching out to people, checking in, saying hi.
0: Such a I good use of your time.
1: time.
0: <laughs> Such a good use. Now that we're not going out to restaurants or we don't have any outdoor extracurricular activities. You have so much time. You get an extra 10, 20 hours a week.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's great. Well, listen, Jillian, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, Last final question is, if you could give advice, uh, one advice to a real estate professional right now, what would it be?
1: Um, I think it would just be to stay patient. Mm -hmm. Stay patient and stay in touch. You know, I I think that some people maybe aren't as comfortable. I've done maybe eight showings total in three weeks. Right. Um, and I get so. <laughs> and most, uh, there are plenty of people out there who are not okay with that. And I think that is fine. Like don't do anything you're not comfortable doing, but you can still send a text. You can still send information. They can't get elsewhere. You can still pick up the phone and call them. And the well, he
0: to get on a zoom call with me
1: i gotta get on a zoom call you know all you, just be present to your people and they'll remember because they've got nothing else going on right now so as long as you're present for your people i think it'll pay off
2: that's know? right that's right
0: good good great well you know i, I really can't wait till uh, we get to hang out again and and um, hopefully you know at the next retreat you know we, we can all meet up and and um and and talk about the old days of the pandemic but you know, no. we don't know how long it's going to last but hopefully soon You know sooner rather than later uh, uh, for our listeners uh, I'm, I'm going to put Jillian's contact information uh, plug her Instagram handle in, in, the, in the preview post uh, in my, on my Instagram and uh, if you guys have any questions obviously related to any of the Boston residential markets uh, definitely reach out to Jillian she is a wealth of knowledge top broker uh, best advisor and uh, she'll obviously be able to get manage your expectations in the boston market to hopefully achieve your goals so jillian thank you so much for your time
2: so much for having me
0: i appreciate
1: it i know
0: right i know yeah
2: so thank you so much for